Welcome, welcome everybody for, to Tokenomics episode number three. We got the crew here, Anton Bachmann, principal at Play Ventures, Ethan Levy, legendary free-to-play game developer, reincarnated as an executive producer at Network Studios, making a blockchain-based legendary Heroes Unchained. Is GM, that a good uh, intro yeah, for you? Yeah, that's a lot of... I sh- you're a no, GM now? Good morning. Good morning. Get up on your lingo. Oh. <laughs> I, thought, I guess I it's GM, GM for you guys because you're in Helsinki right now, right? It's late yeah. in Helsinki and I wanted to do that. Oh, yeah. Michigan Katkov, a free to play game Also a legendary free to play game developer. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I would say wannabe <laughs> legendary free to play game developer. And creator. Uh, known sadly more for bullshitting. Or if we're talking bullshit on the podcast, then making a game. But I've been You're trying. Doing. I've been trying hard for 13 right. years. Some good games. I'd say there's there were some good Big games. Big Ups but, Army um, Attack. But, but, <laughs> no legendary games. You literally have shipped legendary. <laughs> I've shipped legendary and Dragon uh, Age Legends. And every game I work on has the tagline, be legendary. Fuck. Tetris, be legendary. It. That's it. <laughs> I, think, I think that's the, uh, that's the thing. Anyways. I got, like, you, you two are the best ones to talk about today's topics. We're going to talk about building a blockchain gaming studio from scratch. Now, Ethan has built one and Anton has funded several. So I'm curious to hear, uh, to ask my questions, and then depending on how Ethan answers them, right. <laughs> Anton will either say he would never right. get funding or yeah. <laughs> will get funding. Let's find out how though, full of though fish I am today. That's funny. Uh, uh, Ethan, you can't. Can you talk about this? Like, like you're part of Forte, right? No, no. So, okay, it's, it, to to briefly touch on the network Forte news, mm-hmm. which is quite complex. The mm-hmm. studio I used to work for, Network Incorporated, has split in two. Uh, it had a publishing mm-hmm. business and a games business. The executives and the publishing business was all acquired by Forte. The first party game development is now its own new studio called Network Studios. So mm-hmm. I am at Network Studios, uh, where I am making a game called Legendary Heroes Unchained. That game is being built in partnership with Forte. They're helping provide the funds, and we're using them as our blockchain mm-hmm. uh, platform. So heavily connected to Forte, but I myself and my game team, we do not work for Forte. We're, uh, yeah, because Forte can't have gaming studios because they are essentially like a support platform for blockchain gaming studios so them making a having a gaming studio would be a conflict of interest i beats me i don't know i i have no secret well i mean honestly i I don't even know well well, i I don't even know what forte does wouldn't be the first time we're seeing (laughs) platforms aggregating content anyway but it seems they wanna they wanna puzzle together something on the infrastructure side first before before any first party content Or they just didn't want Ethan's yeah. uh, gaming <laughs> Many people do not. No matter how legendary it was. Exactly. Anyway, we're not talking about Forte uh, Network or any of that. We're going to talk about how to build... Yeah, I think I said it. How to build a blockchain gaming studio from scratch. We might talk about Decentraland in this episode. Or if we don't have time, we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about it in one. the future. Yeah. All, all of my insights will still hold two weeks from now. The market <laughs> yeah. cap for you man is $4 trillion now. Let's see what it is when we talk about it in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. And then you guys are playing a bunch of, bunch of different game, um, 
What's the uh, what's the arena? Thino arena. Thinos. Thino. Oh, I'm really excited. Me a and what? Javier Barnes Thino? are are working on a yeah. our first collaboration. Uh, uh, Thetan mm-hmm. Arena. Be careful. <laughs> Be careful with with Javier. Um, he uh, he he might write. You know, I'm only writing 500 <laughs> words, and, and I'm going to tell him to. He yeah. said he wanted it. Anyways. Yeah, and he we wrote a couple of things and they were short and we wrote them over a right. weekend. And then um then we they were started writing the Clash Mini part and I kind of didn't have the yeah. time to jump on it. And then they ended up writing for 2 yeah, months straight. That's crazy. So, I was like, okay. Good, good podcast that's, episode. That's a nice book. Anyways. Mitch got Mitch are going to anyways, are going to introduce anyways. the right to right to earn program for for the deconstructor community. I'm actually so so I've been okay. I don't know, like I don't know the uh, the crypto world who's cool or who's not, but I've listened to a podcast. With, <laughs> I don't know, Full Send, um, and then um, I think it's called Full Send. Gary V was on it, and he was talking about his tokens and his his stuff in the crypto land, and, and you know he's an entertaining talker. Um, so there were some things that that inspired me to think about like what could be a sort of a, a token. For deconstructor fun. Let's, now that we have events let's, coming let's, in and all kinds of stuff, we got after we finish nice community. Let's talk off yeah. the record. Yeah. So 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 yeah. So you know, I know Ethan is inspired by Gary no. as well. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> yes, you are. I'm, Don't be yeah, like that. Uh, you let, are. I actually, on, I can, <laughs> I can honestly say I do not. I have never consumed any Gary V content. So. <laughs> this was the first podcast that I saw. Anton, what no, were you I was saying? making a bad pun about taking that stuff off chain and then I don't know why people hate Gary Vee. I don't I, understand. Like I, I it's it's the BMI is too he's low. A, I can't trust him. We can have a separate episode okay. on Gary NFTs. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a it's it's an interesting one. But yeah, he's made a he I, I don't remember what the numbers that, that his NFTs made, but they were outrageous. Uh, not NFTs, uh, the the, to- um, the the tokens, but he's he's all into that, and he just had interesting ideas of of building and how it's it's kind of like it's almost like a stock in what he's doing. Anyways, enough about Gary Vee. If you were interested in that podcast, I think it's Full Send. Uh, they have a lot of very radical content, not radical, but just it's kind of like a Jersey Shore of podcasts. So now you know what I listen to. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, I wanted to ask. So, um, haven't heard much about. Like, I haven't gotten into this piece of news. But since you you guys are in in Twitter all the time, like, what was this Twitter launching NFT profile pick verification um, thing? If currently, if you are a Twitter Blue subscriber, so you pay three dollars mm-hmm. for whatever Twitter Blue does for you. And I think it's like a creator mode. Basically, I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. But if you are a subscriber, you can link an Ethereum based wallet. And choose one of your NFTs from a th- that are on Ethereum, and use that as your profile pick. And as opposed to giving you a circle, it'll give you a hex, so that people know that you are the verified owner of that uh, NFT. And that is a way of of having a verified NFT instead of doing what I'm doing right now, where I just took a screenshot of Old Man Crypto and I made him my um, Twitter profile, and I'll change it to my like legend it. map like or my this is what I ether orc in a in a couple weeks, right? Um, so you know, it's a it's a it's kind of like the blue check mark. Um, but I, I actually I I actually prefer Old Man Crypto the way he is right now compared to if he would be in a hex. 
Honestly. Okay. He looks better in a circle. I think he looks better in a circle. <laughs> was there some kind of a uh, a backlash about something where where people were kind of screenshotting or? Well, not. That's, that's I, I would I say th- not not, not necessarily a backlash. Just that the the counterpoint is that nothing about this prevents you from. There's there's nothing that would prevent me from pretending I own a Bay Area yacht club and I'm just not willing to shill out three dollars a month for Twitter Blue. But yes, why do I keep saying that? <laughs> Bay oh, Area it's yacht club. Base, it's probably the Basie yeah. abbreviation. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Yeah, sorry. There's there's nothing preventing other people from pretending they own a Bored Ape Yacht Club on, on Twitter. Um, but uh, to get the verified hex, you need to be a payer. Um, so there's there's still a workaround where you can right-click and save. But Yeah. Are you guys on Twitter? Yes, yeah, I, I'm on Twitter all the time. Um, I'm okay. not paying for their subscription service yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm just a little bit out of it. I every time I come back and because we have the deconstructor fund yeah. like uh page apparently there that I made yeah. some some time ago and I <laughs> forgot. How about, how, I mean, about I you, think... how about you <laughs> if it's not retweeting it's that every morning you log on yeah. Twitter, you post a, you post a tweet saying oh, GM. Yes. Uh, yeah. And then and, and then <laughs> <GM>. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And then and then get into yeah. some some um, culture war I, conversations. The, the thing I th- after, the, <laughs> straight, straight the thing I think is smart is that it is a status symbol to make a crypto punk or a bored ape your profile pic. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who put dot eth or dot soul at the end of the name. I don't. That doesn't mean they own the dot eth website, which is pretty expensive. I'm not buying famous aspect dot eth anytime soon. But, like, there are a number of ways of showing your status in the NFT and crypto community, and I think it's smart of Twitter to embrace mm-hmm. it, and I expect other social media platforms will do the same, and some people mm-hmm. will embrace it, and some people will hate it. It's mm-hmm. just, just like anything else. Got it. So, to summarize, it's a way to verify that you own the NFT that is your yes. avatar. Okay. Got it. And did Famous Aspect cover this? So Famous Aspect. I got COVID last week, so Famous Aspect hasn't been covering mm-hmm. anything. So that's not an. That's, that's no no, no blogging. I'm I'm focusing <laughs> on the game and, and the podcasting, and, and hopefully I'll write some more articles uh, next week or two. Uh, <laughs> all right. My New Year's resolution um, on blogging was a little ambitious. Mm-hmm. It was like you went from it was a typical New Year's resolution. It's like people who start going right. to the gym. They're like, I'm gonna go. Seven yeah. days a week. <laughs> Let's start with it's, it's, yeah, it's, Feb- it's, it's February soon, so we can drop the New Year's resolutions in a couple of yeah. days. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so uh, any other news uh, with Illuvium announcing PVE closed beta? Yeah, so this is from the Illuvium um, uh, Discord. Illuvium is, uh, announced their PVE closed beta. It's an upcoming auto-battler. A pretty smooth sign-up process, registration process on their website. Um, I haven't been following Alluvium too much, but it's one of those names that keeps popping up because it's pretty successful. Uh, ILV, their token, uh, when I checked this morning, had a $571 price and a $362 million market cap. So Alluvium is doing really well, and I think you know just one of the recurring themes is that there is a lot of people generating value and revenue or funds to develop their game ahead of game launches so they have the token they have many nfts 
and uh, soon it'll be playable. It's not playable yet, and they've already, you know, generated uh, substantial funds to to build their game in their uh, universe, essentially. So, how much? I'm just curious how much they've they've. Uh, I they've... I mean I don't, I don't know how much they've raised personally from the uh, token. I'd have to do do some research to see if that's available. But like a token price of 571 a token and a 362 million dollar market cap is is nothing to sneeze at. So they could probably Oof. sell you know any any money they needed to fund their game. They could sell treasury holdings just to to get fiat um, with those sorts of prices. Or, you know, they've also been successful at selling NFTs so far. And I'm curious, like, since cryptocurrencies are going down with, this, you know, the, um, essentially the way I understand it is that the interest rates could be, will be going up. You know, the, the central bank, the Fed kind of informed early on that we're going to do it. So that caused naturally the reaction. So no more free money for, for folks who have a lot of money. So they are pulling out from... Uh, more riskier investments uh, and putting everything under Berkshire Halfway, apparently, (laughs) or any blue chip company. But of course, crypto being one of those riskier uh, investments that that especially folks uh, who kind of invested into everything probably put in, you know, the 10% in in some crazy stuff, which is crypto. Does the price drop that we're seeing now with Bitcoin, Ethereum and others, does that affect blockchain gaming companies especially since um since a lot of the uh, the sort of a uh, uh, money they raised mm. are in tokens i think yeah i think you're you're right that it's it's obviously there's been this idea that bitcoin and other other major tokens would could be seen as as kind of inflation hedges but but i think the truth is closer to what you said that it's kind of <coughs> the riskier part of your portfolio <coughs> and if you need to start covering your other your other positions, you're going to get rid of those, rid of those first, both probably from a retail up to an institutional level. In terms of how it has impacted the gaming or the blockchain gaming market, um, obviously any of the other major tokens out there uh, on the gaming side or, or, or the wider metaverse side, if you will, have, have sort of taken a, taken a beat as well. If I look close, at least based on my observation, looking at the startups, I think now what's now different compared to 2017, even though sort of from an outside perspective, it's very similar in terms of how many projects are getting funded and how many games are apparently going to come out in the next coming years. I think the difference is there's a, there's a lot more institutional capital committed to funds right now that are specifically focused on funding startups in this space. Uh, so we're likely to see that committed capital still being deployed. In, in, in the next coming in the next coming years and at least based at least the teams I've been working with uh, and, and 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 the teams we look to work with I think this is something that hasn't really slowed them down maybe delaying a token launch or so with a few months or or a, mm-hmm. or a major listing to to make better use of, of, of market timing but kind of delivering the game and and, and building out uh, building out the ecosystem building the community I, th- I think the best teams are still laser focused on, on those and aren't aren't stopping because of, of changes in the market. Yeah, this isn't and hmm. this isn't affecting anything we're doing and, and I wouldn't uh, you know, this doesn't deter me from kind of my long term hypothesis on, on why crypto gaming is so alluring and why I think it's gonna eat free to play in its entirety. 
And and something that we'll talk about, I'm sure, over and over again is how treasury management becomes a new concern for game studios that like, you know, maybe that mattered to EA, uh, but not to like a little indie developer before. Um, Whereas I saw a tweet from Crypto Raiders, right, where they said, hey, guys, don't worry we have built up a sizable position of stable coins and we have $4 million in stable coins and we have everything we need to make this game regardless of the price of Ethereum and and Bitcoin. And so like Mm -hmm. one that was like, Oh, that's cool. Now we know that crypto Raiders has done at least 4 million in net revenue. Um, But it's a really smart move from them, right? They have taken in a lot of ether. And as we're all seeing, the price of ether is very volatile and they converted that ether to stable coins, so that's a coin pegged to the value of, of USD. And so now they have essentially four million dollars, or the equivalent of four million dollars that they can use to fund development, and they don't have to worry like, oh no, we can't make payroll this month because our ether's down. Right. Exactly. And, and so, also in the wider uh, in the wider crypto market, I think there's been a very similar sort of larger movement also around that that some are clearing clearing some of their winnings, but moving those from maybe blue chip DeFi tokens or, or Bitcoin and Ethereum into into stable coins. So so the capital isn't necessarily moving out of the crypto ecosystem, but it's just it's just uh, moving between assets. New new Steam indie hit token treasury simulator. <laughs> Done. Okay, I'm just saying I'm I'm looking at ELV ELV so being the token. ILV, in, yeah, Illuvium. I, ILV, Illuvium. Yeah. Illuvium? What a, what a weird word. Anyway, uh, in one month, it went from $1,100 to $1,067 to today's 550 So we're looking at 50% slice in the, uh, in the value of this token inside a month. So I'm just curious because we talk about treasury, yeah. we talk about management, but this is 50% in a month? Of of the value of your treasury is um, nothing. But, but sure, imagine, but, imagine. Like you shouldn't. It's magic internet money, right? Like, would you rather have zero dollars or three hundred million dollars, right? It didn't. This. Uh, I'm looking at it as a yeah, stock. Yeah, you shouldn't price, look at you know, it as almost, this. almost Don't, that don't way. think about it like you think about stocks. Because um, because it's um, <laughs> imagine imagine putting uh, imagine putting a real time price feed on your yeah. own game studio at, at this point, Mishka. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh-oh, bug, yeah. bug pushed to production. People don't like this week's hero. Savage Game Studio uh. <laughs> value tanks by 25%. <laughs> Though I do have to say that Savage Coin yeah, sounds pretty savage good. Co- I bet there's got to be a Savage Coin already. All right. Um, okay. All right. All right. Um, so, uh, and then Loop Games. Oh, yeah. This was a really interesting story. Pithelium. So Loop Games made Match 3D. And if, like, Match 3D is brilliant. Right. Like it is it is to me just perfection of game design. You know, it's fun. Mm -hmm. You see a five second video, you understand it completely. It's just like I mean, it's very pure and simple and fun and 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 well done. All the success is deserved to them. Uh, They released that they are going to invest one hundred million dollars to expand their Pythereum.io blockchain metaverse. And so far I, I joined their discord. I looked at their web page it looks like an axie visual style um you know game 
We can assume you're collecting and breeding Axie-type creatures and owning land and battling them. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what this big investment um, turns into. But just, you know, you can't argue with the design pedigree. Mm. You know, match 3Ds. It's one of those games I look at and I'm just super jealous, right? And you might think, like, oh, Ethan, so you make this is... RPG games. Why are you getting so jealous? Like, it's just pure fun. Like, they, mm. they got it so... I mean, I, I kind of have a theory. I think too many people are indexing on Axie-style cute visuals. I think the ad- early adopter audience for blockchain games is not this cute. Like, I think Axie is a head fake for a lot of people, and I personally would not pursue this visual style. I feel like everybody's building Neopets and, like, Farmville, and um, I... I mean, obviously, I'm I'm indexing on mid-core high fantasy, and even if I wasn't at network, that's still what I would be doing. I would still be going more towards a mid-core hardcore audience because that's who I believe lines up with the um, crypto-rich early adopters you need to build your community mm. around. And that's why I think it's, it's, it's a bit mm. surprising about this this one, given that I understand that approach when looking at teams that maybe don't <clears throat> don't come from gaming. And they're looking to make incremental improvements into what Axie was doing, and largely follow follow the same pattern. But um, but if it's if it's kind of a team with pedigree for mobile, that 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 um, I think presumably at least, and I, obviously I presume they have a very strong understanding of of, of, of their audience and, and sort of who they wanna who they wanna cater to. But but um, but it's interesting to see where this one, where this one will go. But um, I will. I'll, Anton, how how many copycats of of Axie like do you see on a daily basis? I don't see them as much as I did during summer and fall last year. Luckily, mm-hmm. um, I think that that landscape has also changed a lot uh, from, from from that time. I think I saw studios getting funded left and right that that did did their Axie versions on Polygon, did, did their Axie versions on, on, on Avalanche, Solana, uh, et cetera, only with a pitch deck. But um, I think we're, mo- we're moving towards, towards a situation where a lot of these crypto funds that mainly were funding uh, these studios and other VCs as well, uh, they, are, they seem to be a bit more hungry now to move into invest, investing into infrastructure. Uh, and um, if you're now gonna pitch a game, I think, you're gonna need to start showing up <clears throat> uh, a prototype or demo of some sorts in order to to start winning the capital over. Uh, mainly, mainly due to seeing that a lot of these Axie copies aren't aren't really going anywhere, even though they might have found some small scale success on mainly on Binance Smart yeah. Chain, where most of most of these games are. What 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 kind of what's the uh, what's the new hotness in in pitches? Uh, that are coming in like is it skewing more towards uh, Ethan's hardcore legendary type of stuff like like you know real game development guys coming in and taking space <laughs> from crypto bros or is it so is it, it, it is it, you know, it isn't but um, like... I'm I'm very kind of aligned based my own analysis also on on kind of Ethan's approach here and yeah. and I, I find that audience really compelling and, uh, to go after and even even something 8-bit style like Ether Orcs or Crypto Raiders, I think is more aligned with the natural early adopter audience than um, Axie. Hmm. Right. But like, still, I think I think very 
very typical pitch in the space revolve around really kind of large scale projects like MMOs, uh, like multi large mm -hmm. FPS titles, um, and um, and often from teams that uh, either don't bring much experience from gaming or then they bring experience from from very different games. Uh, but obviously, I think now I'm speaking speaking on Play Ventures behalf but, and on my own behalf, but but um, I would assume also that at least. At least the gaming VCs that are that are investing into this market as well want to see some some sort of uh, founder DNA match with what they're what they're about to build in for, from from a gameplay perspective. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's a that's a nice segue to what we're talking about today. So building a blockchain gaming studio from scratch. So if I can kind of preface this by talking about on a very, very high level of starting a, a free-to-play studio. And then I have just endless amount of yeah. questions uh, to, to both of you. So when it, when it comes to a free-to-play gaming studio, like, you know, we, we know it. It's, it's about one to three months that are sort of a kickoff time where, where you kick off the other uh, project, kick off the studio, that the team size might be anywhere from two to four people. You're sketching, you're, you're testing marketability, you're doing your audience research. You're really outlining the design. What is the game about? What's, what's the story? This and that. You're making production plans for the pre-production. You're building a prototype. And of course, that leads to um, usually this is the stage that you're in a pre-seed or you might be even, even bootstrapping at this stage. And then you're going for your pre-seed round or a seed round afterwards. Uh, or if it's, uh, if it's a part of a larger company, you're basically just open up a, a hiring pipeline afterwards after kind of figuring out what is it that you're doing and prototyping a little bit around it and kind of seeing some some early success now then the next six months are about pre-production so you're going for how generous call a vertical slice i would i would <laughs> six months. the blood i would give for a six-month pre-production yeah. <laughs> really that's a well, these are yeah, just no, average no. numbers. Like, like it, it really depends yeah. on the scope of a game. Like, if the more casual, the yeah. More what you're saying is, is the higher the scope, the quicker you move straight into full production, right? That's the way. That's the <laughs> yeah, way. To exactly. 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 No, no. It's like the yeah. smaller the game, of course, the faster it goes. And some games don't even do pre-production. Yeah. They kind of do everything from the uh, from the first part. It really depends. So I'm just kind of throwing out. This is like a the most in yeah. the middle and then then use Q to different directions. But with pre-production, it's like uh, your target is really the vertical slice. And then people always want to misconstrue what the vertical slice is. In free-to-play game, it's the mm -hmm. core loop. Build the core loop. Allow people to play the core loop. That's a vertical slice. Uh, the playable has to be enough for at least a couple of days so that you can put it out in Google beta, for example. Just get some early metrics uh, validation, basically validating um, validating the engagement, validating the uh, you know the first part of the retention, validating the CPIs because you're actually uh, not testing marketability through platforms like Geek Lab, but you're actually acquiring players. So at that point, app sizes become more important. App Store pages, your different creatives. Uh, not that you're scaling, uh, testing at large scale, but but still, th those will play a role. Uh, in pre-production, you're you're testing your outsourcers if you haven't worked with with ones before. Uh, with your content production. Uh, you're getting your target art in, you're, you're playtesting and iterating through platforms like Playtest Cloud, um, friends and family, and so forth. Uh, but most importantly, this is the stage of, of kind of preparing for full-on production, but even more importantly, it's validating with the real players that what you're doing makes sense and you should go forward and get into that 
more expensive production phase. And then production phase, Ethan, this is this might be even twelve <laughs> months. It depends again on the game. Um, you know, you can put in whatever numbers, but in the end, it's really two years to launch a game. Like however you want to put it, like uh, a normal game is about two years. Um, you know, content balancing, polish, fatuis, QA—that's your production. Yeah. It's the boring time. This is the time where product people set up podcasts and and blogs and what? stuff this like is... that because they can't add features. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's you know, it's play tests and it's it's the boring time. It's the purple. It's like the uh, it's the it's the lull time before the war for product managers, and then it's the busy time for everybody else building yeah. the game. So. Um, I hate production phase. Uh, anyways, uh, no, actually, thanks for production for being so many times in production. I have deconstructor fun. Uh, you and I run <laughs> so, our teams so. very differently. <laughs> no, it's like it's it's everything is like being backlogged and and you can't add anything. It's just like focused on 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 you know. Yeah, I'm just I'm just spoken fun. Sorry, it's down. I'm just spoken fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The one I mean, the uh, one thing yeah, I would. Go ahead. Um, this is this is kind of that you've laid out kind of a roadmap for standard free to play. Um, I mm-hmm. do think in our current market, which is very saturated and where CPI is, mm-hmm. you know, unless you've got a brand that you know is going to bring downloads, guaranteed, um, your your success mm-hmm. is very largely about um, your CPI and then the LTV you're yeah. able to create on the other side. So, um, me personally. I, I'm doing marketing t- and CPI tests um, in that pre-production phase. I'm not setting an art style until I have one that comes with a CPI yeah. on, on static images that I um, believe will lead to success. And that's just that's not something we've done that was you know that wasn't necessarily yeah. the case seven years ago. That would have been like a next level practice. Yeah. whereas now I think it's a required practice due to the maturity of the market and the costs mm. of installs. Yeah. Ethan, I'll do one better. Like I mentioned that you do it already in the uh, yeah. concept. Yeah, base. exactly. Like at that yeah, point, I think, I think we've had, we've had our portfolio companies, at least yeah. on the free-to-play side, using stuff like Geek Lab and, and, and so yeah. forth. So it seems that has also seemed to be quite, quite yeah. interesting. Yeah, I think I think uh, Play also has some some stuff with uh, with 12 Traits, now Solston. Uh, so they we, we kind of used yeah. both uh, because the other one gives you the, uh, the genre. Like you can purchase from them direct like genre packages so let's say you're making a vehicular battle game not not too many are making but you are and then you can purchase actually that that whole pack where you can uh study the audience of, of currently players who are playing vehicular battles so they they have a pretty like deep taxonomy of of all kinds of games and then through that you get the audience and then you start running your tests with geek lab so you do that all in my opinion in concepting yeah. phase where you're doing your positioning of the product and only then you move into pre-production when when you're actually making the art based on the audience study you've made as well as the first marketability test so ethan yeah. absolutely right and you have to do that even before any art yeah. is being done yeah i would even like uh if you can make your prototype a playable ad that's that's the to me the next level stuff right there well you know uh let's let's be honest not playable ads don't work for all kinds of games but that's a different story and <laughs> and different partners of of this of the podcast might have a different different opinion i prefer seen, to use vungle's play to earn no just kidding <laughs> with vungle ad builder a what? um sorry <laughs> shout out to my friend oliver with, uh, who is uh oh uh, okay vungle yeah i never heard of them uh, not 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 the uh, the deepest friends of the podcast we don't know them uh <laughs> 
<laughs> but if you'd like to Anyways, sponsor us, uh, then, I will talk about your company. <laughs> <like this. laughs> yeah, Ethan is for sale. Uh, then soft launch up to 12 months, up to 12 months. Like we've seen soft launching being almost I, two yeah, years now. I've with, been with I, on, 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 on a not best practice. Uh, I've been in a multi. Yeah. I've been added to the end phase of a multi-year soft launch. That um, just you know, sometimes you give you give a, a product too many leases on life. We can say. Oh, which which well, product it was never that? made it to a worldwide launch. So. Was that uh, yeah. from Network? Yeah. Was it the Ellen DeGeneres? Game? No, no, no. Uh, there was no Ellen DeGeneres. Was there an game. Ellen DeGeneres? Why did I came up with, like who? There, like, yeah, I don't even know. Sorry. We're in, we're in that, some network that? baseball that doesn't entertain anybody. Okay, now everybody was like, what? What "Did they make a game with Ellen yeah, DeGeneres?" We, we, I have yeah, not, we have never had a game nor uh, with Ellen DeGeneres. That's that's. Uh, but I would love. To. I don't know great, where that came idea. from. Strong community. Yeah. <laughs> you could, yeah, you could, you could, it could, it could be, it could get nasty. Maybe, 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 Anyways, uh, maybe a two D merge um, game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then soft launch 12 months cpi retention monetization then hard launch and then you're in the content treadmill anyway that's the free-to-play model and i was kind of wondering like okay i have this model in my mm-hmm. mind and this is this is the only model that i've actually worked in whether making games for for facebook canvas google plus back in the days um you know native uh, on on on, fa- on, uh, on web or mobile, but this is this is kind of the model around which the studio is being built, and I'm very clear on what expertise are needed at different levels and how how long different stages should be taking, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but with free to play, you have a lot of requirements. So let's go step by step some of these, and then uh, I want to. I, 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 I'd like to pre. Yeah, I like to first, preface yeah, though by oh, by saying that that even uh-huh. though maybe the intricacies of, of building a game in crypto now is a bit different also because of the mm-hmm. the investor base addition with the the the, the kind of uh, like capital available for early stage pre pre-product teams yeah. is is also very different from free to play uh, at, at at this point but i would still say i would still argue that in time if and when we see more kind of game first teams going into this space uh, i think a lot of the same Product, product philosophy that that has been developing in free to play for the past ten years will also be be very yeah. visible in this. I mean, there's an abundance of data. Uh, obviously, yeah. all of that is still a mess in terms of of, of kind of figuring out building the proper UA stack uh, for Web three because we have the wallet addresses out there. Yeah. We have services like Nansen where you can you can go today and check all of the transaction and uh, transactions and recent made today with with their with their wallets uh but but all of that and you can just choose random wallets to airdrop some nfts if you want uh obviously some of them or yeah, many go, go to market is super interesting and and there there are many options and many that have never been explored even yet about how you yeah. kickstart your community exactly but uh, but those there's plenty of open question marks there but maybe let's jump into into your points and tackle well, actually, I, I like this is an interesting one. So, so the way I've seen these blockchain games soft launch or launch or however you want to put it is that they don't have anything else except maybe a video. I'm like, this is what the game will be. Here's where you can put in five hundred dollars to get an NFT mm. that you'll be able to. And I would with. say, I would say that's, that's the first typical. step. But there is, I think, we've already seen a couple of interesting alternatives to that. 
I don't know if you guys saw, mm-hmm. Ethan probably saw it, uh, the new startup by by uh, Kevin Lin, so one of the Twitch co-founders. I think they, I think yeah. they were building Fractal. a game called right. Dust. Oh no, we're talking about something. Else. Oh yeah, th- that that was Justin Khan's, but no. but if yeah, we look sorry. at wrong wrong startup. Which one are you talking about? Uh, their game is called Dust Breakers, uh, mm-hmm. and um, what what they did initially is that they released this super simple uh, single player roguelike that they had sort of people competing for who, who's going to complete the level with the best score, and then they ran this this leaderboard uh, on their website, and based on your performance and based on your your rankings in in that sort of demo of the game. You were allowed to mint, mint an NFT then, uh, and um, that was kind of also I think an interesting way to to create some early, uh, early buzz around it and getting giving something into the hands of players. But but um, it seems that because we have a, maybe we have a better way to reward users early because um. It's not sort of super complex to, for example, spin out a simple token that can be rewarded, or or a set of a set of NFTs um, that we can, or I think developers can put out really rudimentary builds of the games, or even just parts of the game early mm-hmm. into the hands of the players, just so that there's something to play with and something to, obviously something to earn also uh, at, at this point, even though it kind of wouldn't it wouldn't have any utility yet or or the. The fully fledged game is still so years away, what is but, but teams are experimenting with different things than only dropping the NFTs and mm-hmm. tying some kind of early, early stuff to it. A bit like you would be releasing yeah. a really so I'm, sort of tech and broken tech and buggy version of your initial free to play title. So, yeah. so I'm looking at Dustbreakers. So they they had this Dustbreakers play to mint arcade mini game. So essentially, this looks like a, a Unity prototype. Yeah. Um, you know, super yeah. super simple. But they had just, uh, they had a bunch of they had a bunch of people shooter. playing this one. Yeah, and what does it mean play to mint? Like you played it and so, then just just to be clear, you mint. Do you spend any money to mint? Uh, depends. I I don't know Dustbreakers specifically. It kind of depends what chain you're using and how they want to. Mm-hmm. So norm, you know, for instance, they could have actually. The company can pre-mint everything for you and actually just airdrop for you if they want to be the most delightful. Mm-hmm. Or they can put it on a website where you do press a button and you do have to pay the gas fee associated with minting. You know, there's a lot of options there. Mm. Um, and I, re- I recall I think, that for Dustbreakers, it was so that you got the right to basically mint it. Because um, if, you, if you airdrop directly, okay. I think there's a risk that you, you just airdrop it to people who are never going to claim it or who are never going to use it. But um, by having the minting in place, the one to one went the extra step and paid the gas fee, and uh, maybe it could be argued that you get more, or at least maybe not more engaged users, but at least users that are willing to at least speculate on the future success of your game. Um, yeah. So I think uh, what's interesting. Well, one one thing that I would, as you were going through, you're like, how to start a studio, um, that it made me think of also was, um, when I think about one, my own journey here and then, and then other people's, um, you know, who I'm talking to who are experienced devs. So like most of the deconstructor of fun audience is probably experienced Mm -hmm. free to play devs. Um, 
I think that you cannot possibly over-index on the research phase of understanding um, the blockchain space. And I would encourage you to do as much, don't just listen to us talk and read our articles and, and read the stuff we share on Twitter. Like, I, I think you really have to join Discord communities, swap for tokens, join staking pools, buy NFTs, you know, follow projects, be part of, play some of these games, figure out what playing these games mean and really understand what I mean when I say, hey, the game software is one part of a much larger picture and that whole picture is your game. You know, I'll, I'll be totally honest. I've been doing this for about, a, it was about a year ago that I first started researching um, NBA Top Shot. And it's not like I've been spending a, a year full time doing nothing but figuring out blockchain games. But I honestly <laughs> only feel like I started to get my sea legs under me and really understand the space in the, in the past month or two. Right. And that's come from the hands on work of understanding what other people are doing and how they're finding success with their products. And so now now that I do know all those things or some of those things, when I talk to another developer who's like, yeah, I'm going to we've got this live game and we're going to talk to so and so and we're going to add some NFTs to it and we're going to get mm -hmm. some 22 year old who understands discord and give him a big budget and then we're just going to something, something, something money. Like, I, you can kind of feel it that they don't authentically understand the space yet. And I mm -hmm. definitely don't as much as, you know, when, you know, someone who's been doing this stuff since 2017, they know a lot more than me. But, like, I think there's a lot um, of humbleness you need to bring to it and a lot of learning you need to do so that you can then go and form your marketing, your product strategy for what you think will be successful for your studio. Mm. Okay, join Discord, swap tokens, stake in pools, follow projects, play these games. Basically, you're saying what Gary said, <laughs> just, you know. Is the legendary like unattractive heroes, Gary go to the Is the legendary heroes on chain Discord already <laughs> up and running? No, it is not. Um, and when it is running, it will be very cool. Soon, um, yeah. But if you if so, you go so, if you okay. go to our website, you'll see that we've already pre-registered over a hundred thousand people. That's a real number. Um, I have some go-to-market strategy that I'm very excited about. Um, that I'm get, we're going to do some cool shit, and that cool shit is only enabled uh, because of Web three, really. Mm. I'll jump in. I'll jump okay, in so, and, and ask in the general chat when token. <laughs> when token, yeah. <laughs> now, now, of course, over-indexing on understanding the blockchain yeah. space. That makes all the sense, and you should be focusing on that, and you should be doing that. But but in the meanwhile, let's say you are starting yeah. a studio. So, Ethan, when when you got into this, they're like, Ethan, we get you. you you've been converted right. into blockchain gaming uh, on the... Uh, on, on the uh, it was the top shop, and you were talking to some yeah. dad in South Carolina or North South Carolina. Car yeah. You live in South you Carolina, live in South yeah. Carolina. Raleigh. <laughs> Raleigh's in it. That's where Epic is. That's that's up in Raleigh, Durham. So we're sorry again. This is this is totally not exciting for the audience. No, but still, um, but, but, so, but still, quick not exciting, line, but, uh, or sort of adding to, yeah. to to Ethan's comment. I also can can kind of emphasize enough the mm -hmm. 
time time that needs to be spent in or 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 not 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 time but kind of repeatedly sort of revisiting sort of why i think i think uh, crypto came kind of overnight into gaming sometime last year Mm -hmm. uh and um developers went direct to questions like you know how do i build an nft marketplace how how do i how do i do an nft drop how do i build a discord community without spending too much time on what it actually means that we'll potentially have a new suite of internet protocols uh, that are going to re- replace a lot, potentially replace a lot of the existing private database structures that we have out there with proprietary APIs, uh, and, and and what that what the composability aspect of, of of this tech means, and actually making making all of these developer interfaces open open for everyone. Uh, but but let's say let's say you know play came in Anton was like team is looking good you know here's 2 million euros yeah. for you to kick off the project now i can't say to Anton like okay cool story dude i'm going to disappear to discord for about 8 months right now and i'll I get would, back to you i, I would have, i would imagine that that 8 months of discord happened before he wrote the check Maybe, oh, yeah. maybe, but Probably. sometimes if but the so team is let's, so cool, let's assume you have your funding and you've got a traditional free-to-play yeah. group of people. Yeah, I think there there exactly. are a couple really key projects to orient your studio roadmap around. Okay, mm-hmm. so one is going to be um, what tech your what platform you're building on. Essentially, it's going to be mm-hmm. really important. Are you on Solana? Yes. Are you directly on Ethereum? Are you on um, Forte? Are you on Polkadot or Avalanche or Wax? Like, this is a there. There are a lot of options out there. Um, they have their own trade-offs. You could build your own. You could use a Starknet to build your own version of it. Um, I th- that's a very serious technical question. You kind of have to have a general idea of what the game you want to build is probably to make that um, decision. But that's going to be one of your critical projects. And probably in the course of making that as an informed decision, your engineers, if you're kind of converting people over, will learn a lot along the way Mm. that will make them much more Mm -hmm. Web3 type people. And this this may be most important in the the go-to-market phase. On, on choosing kind of because it's it, it's also about it's not only about what tech you're choosing but but it's also about kind of what what's the community you're getting that that exists yeah. in other projects and other games on, on top of that chain or whether it be a layer one or layer two solution uh down the line i think it's or when the company grows uh and the game grows it's gonna be of less importance because what these men tend to do is that they usually choose one chain for for their go-to-market but then over time bridge to other chains as well and then are able to tap into the the user and the player e- and the pro- other product ecosystems on on those chains as well but from a go-to-market perspective i think those are the main questions you want to be thinking about so does it fit kind of the type of game you're building uh and then seeing that is there an audience match with with the users on other games being built on that on that chain and then yeah and that go-to-market strategy i think is your other big project right like what is your game is actually a subset question of your go-to-market strategy and go-to-market is all about um how are you building your community 
who is your community? How are you going to build that community? How are you going to keep them engaged? And then what are you selling or pre-selling or, you know, like, how are you doing your tokenomics? Um, how do you make sure your art's appealing? All of that to me is in that go-to-market strategy, right? So like, um, this isn't, you know, obviously I'm building a second legendary game, so this isn't what we did. But if I was building a new game, um, let's say I knew my genre, um, and I knew mm -hmm. relatively what my core loop was going to be, um, to go back to that market testing, right, I would start making stills, still ads in different art styles, in different themes, you know, is this a sexy vampire game? Is it a hardcore dudes with abs game? Is it a robot game? Is it 3D, 2D? I would be... Hardcore dudes with abs Yeah, game. no, I know that's what you play. <laughs> Swole Patrol. Shirtless dudes with abs perform well in those free-to-play ads. Mishka will come and do the motion capture for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sounds like Jersey Shore. <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, so I so. would be measuring which one of these art styles is most efficient at getting people to sign up into a Discord. Uh -huh. That would be one of the, so the just testing CPI. Yeah, testing basically right? CPI to community, right? But to yeah. Discord, Discord or Telegram or you know maybe you want to do something else. But like so, how you're building and engaging your community is uh, a core part of your go-to-market and you will be orienting you should be orienting your entire company around that community roadmap if if you're thinking that way you're thinking properly about how to build a web3 game right so like you may have um like this idea of having the first touch of the software as you said with Duskbreakers being a mini game that you play and by engaging with that game mm -hmm. you then earn the nfts like that's a brilliant community building strategy to seed your audience uh and and and, and build up your fans for your game and hopefully they've built something that they can use to keep those people playing for a couple months while they're building the next thing right and that ties into their pre-sale and their token launches so like there's there's a whole lot of choices to make um, and, and, and really, I think, like, you need to understand the tech, you need to understand who the early adopters of crypto games are, and you need to understand who the audience you want to build is and how you will orient mm -hmm. everything you do around them. That's a, that's a fascinating thing because we were talking with this, uh, we recorded a podcast with Joachim um, this week, actually. We are talking about fundraising in 2022, and we were not actually talking about blockchain gaming. And he kind of said that he, you know, mentioned that in his perception or opinion, the studios that have a hyper casual background are strong here because they are so quick at testing. And I was like, I don't, I don't buy that because they are never, they don't do live ops, they don't do communities, they don't do all these aspects that that Ethan you just described. They do prototypes. And I don't think the making a prototype is the most important part. I think, as you said, building a community in a Web3 game is the most important aspect. So I would argue, on the other hand, that, that, that teams that have experience in community building and, and strong community-focused approach are actually but, the ones that, that But couldn't it be argued that if we look at teams that are predominantly free-to-play, the mm -hmm. probably the only known sort of way to grow the games for them have been performance marketing 
So there hasn't really been mm-hmm. that kind of a grassroots community movement. So I think if you're coming from free to play, you're anyways going to have to go through that. It depends huh? on the genre, though. It really depends on the genre. That there are some game, some some genres that are incredibly community driven. Social casino is actually incredibly community driven, like the VIPs. Some you know mid core hardcore games are very community driven. Whether you were talking about the MOBAs or the certain shooters or any sort of a guild based games, like like I remember even back in the days, Clash of Clans had incredibly strong community. And and for example, Supercell has always invested very heavily into community management uh, with their games and, and that has paid off in very long lifetime values among, among of course, other things. So I, I wouldn't say that, that, you know, match three games don't have strong communities. It's because, you know, it's a different thing. But, but there are genres that are very community-driven. Yeah. Um, so. And then, sorry, uh, you know, another thing, another big project, I mean, this goes under, to me, community building, but... Your tokenom mm-hmm. I mean this this ties to both the everything I've said. Your tokenomics model and really having a good handle on um what your intentions are there, what your sinks and taps are, and how you're gonna build a long term stable economy um through different gameplay systems is like again a critical project of that first pre production phase. Right, because you know, like the example I talked about on Twig this week already, like Axie Infinity, my axes are worth a quarter what I paid for them, and the AXS token is down, and the SLP token is down, and both those things happened before the um, crypto market crash, and that you know I I said on that on that episode like the Axie game economy was set to bust, um, because the only thing you do in that game. The, the price of all of those things is the reason people want them is so they can use them to breed more axes, which increased like the whole point of the game is to increase the supply of axes in the system. And so that means there's going to be a natural point where everybody who's joining the game is joining the game to breed axes, to sell axes to other people who are joining the game. And eventually you're going to get oversupplied on axes and the price is going to crash as they have and the price of the mm-hmm. tokens that whose only utility is for breeding axes is is also going to crash and so my guess is that uh anton and, and others like him are asking much more pointed questions nowadays about your long-term economy design um and how you're going to keep things stable and growing over time um and that's you know that's a subset of your your game design and your community plan. But that's that's a new and very fun and very challenge difficult challenge. Mm-hmm. This um, this also this is also where I think that developers with a free to play background also have an edge in terms of being able to think more broadly about sinks uh, and obviously currency generators as well. Um, I do think that during this year already we're gonna start seeing some hybrid models i think up until now obviously it's been quite clear cut if it's if it's kind of purely free to play or if it's gonna purely purely a blockchain game uh with with the economy running on running on either one but as more free to play teams are coming into space i think we'll see them experimenting with with sort of um, parallel economies if you will what do you what do you mean by a hybrid model and parallel economy can you give an uh, example so I would be looking at a game that that has, a, or in, in in that scenario, you would have a game that kind of has a traditional IAP economy as well. If you want to be mm-hmm. distributing through the App Store, 
uh, and um, you want to be uh, sort of you also want to cater to those if you're talking about midcore you want to be you want to be catering to those whale users as well uh, without sort of forcing them to to sort of set up their wallets and and so doing that so a typical free to play from that perspective and obviously sort of tapping into the direct sales of what you're doing with those players but uh, and that's useful maybe from a targeting perspective and sort of getting utilizing a lot of the existing infrastructure on social platforms to get the more kind of mainstream free-to-play users into the loop but then potentially introducing kind of a side loop in the game that uh, that, that, that sort of if you if, if you want to play the game 100 percent you tap into that side loop as well but if you only remain to play the free-to-play loop you might only get 80 percent out of that game and 80 percent out of the progression of it mm-hmm. uh and using that and using using kind of using existing tactics to retain uh, obviously paired with with, with yeah. now the new ones with, with all the community tactics as well but pairing kind of the old and the new uh, using known tactics to retain people and then gradually uh, sort of moving them over also to the nft and the, and the play to earn side and then the next step then be that each subsequent game that comes from that studio would increase that on-chain element constantly i i, I think i, I think mm-hmm. if, if there's an opportunity it's likely because of um, if there's going to be onboarding issues or or, or, or sort of challenges in in, in, in kind of having the lucrative free-to-play audience moving over to to kind of on-chain because I think it's also probably an educational matter matter as well. And there's also an yeah. economy. It sounds sounds very difficult. Sounds like you're making essentially two games. You're making a blockchain game. But if, 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 if we think about if we think about we would use an on-chain Clash of Clans, for example, where you would have that main uh-huh. loop of building the main village would be kind of the free-to-play one. Mm-hmm. But I recall they introduced the side loop with the island where you also started building a new base. But think yeah. about that base and that gameplay being run with NFTs and play to earn. So it doesn't affect that sort of one progression curve you're doing with your main base, but it is the gameplay uh, of, the, of the kind of the second progression curve. Yeah, I. You know, yeah. So you kind of honey dick players into playing a totally different <laughs> game. It's like a four X strategy. Like, like they they do the uh, the top battle is another one where they kind of show you a a merge game with battle. It's it's a four X strategy. You're like, hey, this is not a four X game. Relax, just match these units, and it's gonna be fun. And then you zoom out of the it's map. And you're like, oh another my. Another way to think. I mean, I I won't go too deep into the economy design for the game I haven't launched yet, and I'm still building, but. Um, there are mm. elements of the game that uh, there are currencies that you get some amount for free daily, and if you want more, you just have to buy them with IAP. That you can't buy them from other players, right? So, like, S- smooth love potion and Axie. When I want them, I can grind for them, or I can buy them from other players. That's because it's based on a, on a token. Um, in in this new game, there will be some things that work like that. And some things where I want to have a very direct control over its use in the economy. And basically, I want to say, like, if player wants to do this many minutes of activity X, and I know exactly the reward payout for activity X, they need to give me dollars, right? Like, I am, I'm, they get a certain amount of free every day, and the rest of it is a traditional uh, free-to-play economy. And, and in that way... 
you know, trying to wall off certain parts of your power economy from being able to spoil other parts. Because hmm. mm-hmm. I think there's still the risk that if, if, if everything of that is, is kind of tied to, or before we kind of figure out ways to keep it stable, but there's a chance that similar with Axie, the whole economy goes down if something goes yeah. bad. But if you're still as a developer able to control some of the levers, it might still provide for better gameplay experience, at least at least before yeah. that token design comes around where where so that could be solved completely by, yeah. by the user. It, the it is it is definitely very complex and nobody has any answers yet and that's actually what I find very exciting about it. Like it's it has energized me in a way that free to play game design really hasn't for the past couple of years where I realized mm-hmm. like, Hey, I've been downloading a bunch of games to my phone and I'll go, Oh, I mean to play my hero academia. Like I'm sure there's some lessons in here and I'm just not excited about opening up any of those games and, and checking them out and trying to learn from them because I feel like the, I felt like a lot of things were kind of known or stale or really easy to understand. And this whole new world of, of wild west craziness is as a designer is extremely exciting for me right now mm. okay so that's that's clear that the tokenomics model designing that it's like a, it's like a it's it's like a well it's like a core loop it's like yeah. economy loop essentially that you're doing but but with uh well equally not equally actually um you can't really fix it on the fly. That's the difference with uh, with the with the economy loop. You can kind of add more sinks. You can add more elements to it and kind of patch it up a little bit. But with the with your tokenomics model, it's harder. Right? But you it's, could. It's harder, but I think. But it's you the could. Same you problem. could. You could decide. Obviously, you, you would decide the mm-hmm. parameters of how how much that currency is worth in your game. It's different what it what it's worth mm-hmm. in a dollar value out there on the open market, but obviously you can adjust adjust the cost within your game. But then that could lead to community backlash because there's there's not too much transparency around it, um, mm-hmm. which is also what what's happened with Axie as well so, when they've introduced kind of new rules on how yeah. much you earn and who is able to earn. And they and they are doing this hybrid approach by by you know considering to launch a mobile game that essentially would be the uh, the sort of a uh, you know the lead product that that people would have high accessibility and that would through that be more incentivized to, to come into the blockchain. Yeah. I don't think Axie is um, doing it. Uh, no, but I think they announced that a mobile. They game. have a mobile game. You can sideload it. On, the majority of players sideload it and play on Android, and that is the blockchain powered version of it. There's no. But I think they 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 talked about making a, a free to play game. I don't know. I'll have to. I'll, we we talked about it on Twig. I remember Suford was, yeah, was going. But crazy I I, th- I, th- I think I think I think like, they're still going to keep very much similar elements to the existing game. But what they want to introduce mm-hmm. is players being able to try out the game before they need to purchase the or mm-hmm. to not be not have to purchase the axes up front, but having this free to play list. similar to what Panzer mm-hmm. Dogs is doing with their game as well. Uh, and that's by the way a former kinda, that's by the way a former really hyper casual it. team yeah. as well. Yeah. that has gone into the space yeah. that have a free version of that so, you can so try me, with and then obviously the nft version as well let, let me kind of summarize it and, and then let's try to build a studio out of this so first of all over index understanding the blockchain space and all the elements there uh then on the side you have to have your technical person your cto your technical director uh really searching and and you know, understanding what I, platform I would widen that out. On. Everybody, I mean, product people too. Everybody, 
I, I'm Every I'm never going to know as much as my lead them. engineer, but I have to mm-hmm. understand that understanding those things help okay. me build, make product decisions too. So so you're so before that you're already thinking about what kind of game mm-hmm. you're making. You're already ideating. So you you have that ideation loop yeah. going on, and you're doing your marketability testing. You're probably using different platforms, but but you're essentially you're driving players to Discord. Yeah, well, I, that's be? just you, testing images. Yeah, just testing I, images. I I am I would be if you're ready to run Discord. I'd drive them to Discord. If not, yeah. I'd be driving them to a pre-reg website or something. Got it. Got it. Okay, so so initially you're just testing what kind of art styles. That, that's your first stage. Uh, really looking into the whole space, looking into different platforms, um, testing traditional free-to-play way what your game would be looking at. But at this point, you already know. It. Let's say you're building an RPG. You already know it. It's going to be like... It's gonna be like Axie Infinity, but with dragons. Uh, hula, and then, then you're testing that, and you're running a bunch of tests, and you're showing, you know, core battle gameplay. That could be a different type of battle that is happening, uh, but but essentially that's your face. At the same, is it at the same time you're thinking about how good your go-to-market strategy? Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, if you've got enough people, you've got somebody. You, you're figuring out your tech. Mm-hmm. You're figuring out your go-to-market community strategy. You're figuring out your audience appeal and you're figuring out your tokenomics that's that's your how big how what's what's my what's my starting team looking at so so typically how uh so i I can chime in here but Mm -hmm. i think the typical teams that we have not been seeing uh, if they come from free to play very similar to any other free to play team that is out there but um I think some of the early key hires they're looking for is obviously an, an art director for the team as to start creating the look and, mm-hmm. and the feel of what they're going to build. And actually very early on also someone on the community side who's going to take the lead on, on the Discord and the Twitter on the Telegram and just start sort of posting posting there and putting putting in the right Discord integration, right Discord bots, etc. That's the 22-year-old Gary Vee. Yeah, I, I have a job rack I need to write um, <laughs> this week. I'm, I'm hoping to uh, create a new job category. I want a product manager whose product is the community. I don't want a community manager. Okay. And a product manager for the community that's a, that's a who's nice, running live ops on I, the community. That's a nice way to frame it. I like it. Yeah. That's yeah, that's maybe. one. That's I, like I my top hire. I will still take the young Gary. I'll take the young Gary V, the hustler. Uh, anyway, so community is important. Art director important. What else, Anton? Um, if if there isn't kind of in-house smart contract development um, experience, I wouldn't say A I wouldn't say it's kind of developer. an immediate need. Uh, if 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 you don't have mm-hmm. that, I think it's good for the game designer to get acquainted with token design and try to build some of that understanding in-house. There's a lot of stuff to benchmark to right now because everything is public. Everyone posts their white papers around it, but still emphasizing that also on that front, everything is still very much a blank slate. There is no kind of gold standard of doing things. It was easy to get kind of trapped in thinking that the Axie dual token model is the way to go, which was then mimicked by a lot of other studios as well. And, um, that worked for Axie initially. It remains to be seen if it works for them long term. But but emphasizing that there is no, there is currently no correct way of doing this, uh, and um, and uh, developers still very and designers are free to dis- kind of design what could make for an interesting interesting token design uh, and fair tokenomics that that sort of the community gets excited about and feel that they actually are part owners in in what's happening. 
Because all in all, I'd say these game okay, teams, if, my prediction yeah. is that the, these game teams are going to be looking quite similar. A couple of additions uh, to, to your typical uh, to your typical free-to-play team. If Ethan's prediction goes or, or happens that sort of this will eat free-to-play or at least evolve free-to-play in, 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 into something different, then um, it's likely designers are going to look pretty similar but there, there's a couple of extra muscle you're going to need need to your team but the f mindset the philosophy uh about kind of creating the product being data driven about it listening to your users you're just listening to them from different channels right now in the, in the get-go when you're bootstrapping the community i don't think performance marketing is going to disappear completely <coughs> i think when when these communities start to mature they probably represent your your golden cohorts or something, but when you start, when you want to start scaling outside of those, those really engaged communities, want to hang out, hang out with you on Discord, uh, then probably, or most likely, some form of performance marketing will kick in. But a lot of that stack, from a Web3 standpoint, is is still yet to be built. Interesting. So so very similar, but still some of the differences. And and how much would you? Would you still approach the early development in the same way? Like, do you, do I have to prove out a good game, or is it just it doesn't matter? I think that's going to change over time. As long as I it's think just going to change over time as, in, as investors yeah. get smarter. There's probably a bunch of investors that are going to burn their hands, and they're not going to be investing in blockchain gaming in a couple of years' time. And uh, it's probably yeah. going to look similar to as kind of funding a free-to-play studio looks like right now. If you're a super experienced and yeah. successful think, team, you're likely going to have an easier time raising your pre pre revenue uh, from uh, sort of uh, fundraise and pre KPI fundraise, uh, and then it's more of a and then it's more of a spectrum of where you fall in with your experience and, and previous traction and how well your current mm -hmm. prototype is doing. Because um, um, at the end of the day, we I think we're going to have to see we're, we're, investors want to see some proof points other than kind yeah. of paperwork. Yeah, of course, I. I, I really like like I've been listening to others than Gary Vee. Let's be honest, uh, but but on on the uh, on really on not on blockchain gaming, but on blockchain talks and and some other people have oh, shit. Even Gary Vee, I I have to forget Gary Vee. Like I, it was just a podcast I listened yesterday, so it's in my head. Can I get you a like, Gary Vee poster for the spotter. next episode to put up on the wall? That would that'd be really <laughs> good. That would be really good. Uh, but but um. But even a lot of people who are very bullish on blockchains and NFTs and are essentially saying that 98% of what we're seeing right now will go to zero. And that's most likely true. Because it's so, yeah, yeah because it's so um, short-sighted, um, you know, in there for a quick buck. And and I think that's that's you know that's a lot of the, the stuff that we're seeing and that's why a lot of existing developers are essentially saying like you know yeah. it's we don't believe in this and and I think everybody's right like both the yeah. side that is saying that this is the future as well as the side that's saying all of this will burn to the ground real yeah, quick. Yeah, I mean, I I it wasn't announced yet that I was working on a blockchain game, but my GDC talk last year was called Building a Ten Year Game Economy. And the reason it was is because I was thinking about how to build a game with 10-year retention. And that's because I think the key to success to building the next mega franchises of Web3 are not about slash and burn, pump and dump tactics that are giving, you know, 
that it's the reason why 98% of this is going to go to zero. I think, you know, the, yeah. the, the game teams that build the forever franchises with the 10-year-plus retention on Web3, those are going to be the next Zingas and Netmarbles and Tencents of, of the world. Hey guys, hey so guys, eventually I'm Microsoft. That will note, own guys, we're a bit, we're <laughs> yeah, a bit go ahead, time Anthony. I need to, of course, I need to jump on a call. So um, yes, on that so, note, let's wrap I'll up. Anthony needs to be here. giving away money for for top developers. So thank you everybody for listening. Uh, if you want to get funded, talk to Anthony for your blockchain gaming. Thank, thank you, you, Ethan, for for giving this. I'm, I'm I kind of, I kind of want to like summarize it. So keep keep your head in the business over-index on, on understanding both the blockchain space as well as the different platforms. Think about go-to-market, experience go-to-markets. That's what you're yeah. doing. You're, you're in all yeah. of this, all of these. Like you're, you're looking what works, what doesn't, and that's why we're, we're talking about like having if, the community person if you don't to have, be the go-to-market. If you don't have 300 in your red dot on Discord, you're not, you're not in enough channels. That's, that's what I'll, you're not in enough Fuck. servers. <laughs> Anyways, do that. Do that. Join them and see kind of how they how it feels. The problem is like it takes yeah. time. It takes time to really get it. It's like with a free to play game. Yeah. It takes time before you know. It. It's like with any big game. It takes time before you understand it. Think of it as as fucking World of Warcraft. Yeah. Like you can come in and after one day you'd be like, I don't know what the talk is I mean, about. That, <laughs> it's like it's exactly. like it. It is going to yeah. take time. A long time. If I really think about being a free-to-play yeah. designer, I don't think I really mm-hmm. understood how to monetize a free-to-play game successfully till I was five years in. Like Really? I got it yeah, on the first that's, year. That's why you're the master. <laughs> it was attack. Anyway, uh, uh, so, no, no, it's, it's absolutely right. It's, um, it's really getting into it and kind of like understanding that this will take time. Yeah. You won't, you won't, and, and I, I believe that, that people are reluctant. I'm, I'm yeah. one of them. People are reluctant to believe that this is the next yeah. thing because they don't want to invest the fucking yeah. time. It was the same thing with everything. Like, I wish this burns down so I don't have to go on Discord yeah. channels and figure this out. But this is my lazy side thinking of yeah, it. Yeah, the, the less <laughs> you study now, like, I need to the more you're going to have to pay me <laughs> yeah. as a consultant three years from now when your entire studio exactly. pivots so that's to blockchain. Why, that's, why I, <laughs> that's why I have Ethan on every second week here talking <laughs> sense. Uh, and um, you, you have your go-to-market plan and that basically, I think you, you can get your go-to-market plan by just experiencing enough go-to-market. Yeah. So when you hire that community person, yeah. you'd be like, hey man, this is what happened. It made me feel really good. I want that same thing and, plus that and, thing. That and the did. real, the real insight here is to think about, like, if you're doing, if you're doing a free to play game right now, building a new studio, you could f- frame every choice you make in under the frame of CPI versus LTV, right? Like, how do I go mm-hmm. from where I am today to the point where my cost per install is lower than my day? 120 LTV, right? And that that can give you mm-hmm. the framing. And and my theory here is that uh you should build you can build your go-to-market plan and therefore your entire company roadmap within the frame of how am I building my community? How am I attracting them? How am I retaining them? How am I growing them over time? And that that is that is the the mental frame with which to lay out the key beats for your game studio and your key hires. 
Yes. Yes. And then and then you just go and just put stuff into the market. I like the uh, the Dusk Rider stuff where you just put in a, a little demo out and let people play it and they can mint afterwards. I don't know how important that is, but at least it feels more tangible. We can do we we could do a whole maybe a follow up episode on airdrops and, and, and community bootstrapping strategies to get into that further. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. Okay. Well, Ethan, that's right. it. It's getting closer to midnight here in Helsinki. <laughs> right, let me, I need to sleep yeah. on this. Let me just close with my new hotness because I, I got I yeah. bought a new token just just for today. What's new hotness? Uh, my my new hotness today to close it out is Zug, the Etherorks token. Uh, I saw a Twitter mm-hmm. thread from them about their first hundred days of development and how much success and momentum they have. And I was impressed by just the, the community focus and the constant shipping and the momentum. And so I traded a little bit of ETH for some Zug today. So Zug is my new hotness. And I look forward to uh, digging more into Etherworks. How much are you losing currently with your crypto wallet? It's, it's, all, uh, it's all learning. It's, it's less than getting another college degree. Oh, yeah. I'll say that. <laughs> Well, they're a free Finland, so so on that note, on that note, shout out for my free master's degree in international business. Shout out to socialism that told me about interest rates. <laughs> uh, anyways, good. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. We tried to make this in forty-five minutes. I think we ran forty-five minutes over. One hour and twenty. Uh, we, we ran for we, we. But here's here's how you should approach it. Double the content, double the value. Double the- it's um, it's <laughs> this is, and no tokens asked. But uh, but stay tuned for deconstructor fun token. Ethan Levy is the uh, the coin master on that one. <laughs> so we'll figure out what to do with it. On that note, goodbye everybody. Thanks for listening.